Hello and welcome to the Studio Mallet podcast. Joining me is Kleena Noonan, animator and filmmaker. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. What was it that drew you to direction? Well, I don't know. I feel like I w- if I was um, to write my own bio, let's say, I would usually put down like animator, filmmaker, because I feel like direct being a director and a filmmaker is kind of two different things, which I do both. But the director is kind of working with people and a team, helping them to make what you have, like your vision or whatever. But then the filmmaking bit is also like, I just like to make films and I like, I like all parts of the process of actually making it, like the animation and design everything from start to finish. So it's kind of like both of those things. I first found out about your work, well, me and Sean actually saw it together at the uh, Dublin Animation Film Festival that was in Dunleary a few years back and Tuna, your short film, was a part of that program and uh, we just both loved it and uh, I'm pretty sure that was the first time he saw your stuff as well. Yeah. How how did uh, Tuna come about? I mean, it was my grad film from college, but like, that's mad that you were with Sean that day because I've heard him tell the story of he was always like, I was with my friend, but you, that's you. (laughs) Um, Because that was the first time as well. Like, I think I probably had heard of Sean's stuff, but... He emailed me after that screening just to be like, hey, I saw your film. And that was like probably the first time I actually talked to him. Um, But yeah, so Tuna was my grad film from IDT. And yeah, like fourth year, you basically just get to make a film. And I made that film. (laughs) Um, I don't know where it started. I just... I more wanted to make a film about kind of a feeling rather than a plot like ABC things happening and yeah the films I like are more not your traditional um, mainstream I guess stuff so I don't know I just kind of merged together things I liked about animation Um, like there wasn't Juno wasn't even a part of it in the beginning and it just developed that way, the more I thought about it. I was going to ask, actually, about your favourite uh, directors or like anyone who may have influenced you or like who do you admire, animation or otherwise? Such a hard question. Um, there's so many. I mean, yeah, I definitely think, you know, before I even went to do animation, I don't even think I knew what animation was. Animation that I know now, I wasn't aware of. Um, I just thought I would like animation. But really, being in college, yeah, it was films like um, The Triplets of Belleville was probably one of the first features I saw that was very weird animation. And I still, yeah, I love Sylvan Chaumet's stuff. Like the Pierce sisters, kind of like ugly animation I like 
um, and things that are more experimental, I guess. Um, I remember being shown The Man with Beautiful Eyes by Jonathan Hodgson and just like traditional mediums and textures and weird storylines, you know, animation that doesn't even have to be about anything. You're just watching these characters do something and it looks really cool and strange. Yeah, I think animation really is the ideal home for something more abstract maybe than live action. You can certainly make abstract live action, but there's, there is always going to be a grounded in reality element to seeing people yeah. in the world there. But animation, you can certainly, your main character can be a triangle, your main character can be a blob or might not have characters at all. But yeah, it's wonderful for that. And I wish we saw more experimentation like that. I'm more appreciative of the kind of unusual short films that you'd see in college now than I was then. <laughs> I yeah. I was, like many others just thinking, what on earth <laughs> is this? Yeah, because sometimes you do feel like um, your audience is just other animators. <laughs> if you're making weird things, you know, like movies we think of as like big movies in animation like the red turtle like you know i'd say that to someone in my family that never heard of it mm. the nice thing about shorts is it doesn't have to be all about the audience you know like if you're making i think a like more of a mainstream feature for a children's audience you have to make sure it's going to suit that audience um, but with shorts, because you technically can make a short by yourself, beginning to end, you can do whatever you want. So it's kind of, you can be selfish and just like enjoy making it and experiment like within that, whatever, whatever you want to do. That personal freedom, how does it feel making something entirely free, you're in charge, and then working still as a, a filmmaker, director, but under a studio. Does yeah. that feel in any way different or? Yeah, it's definitely different. Like, I think it's always important to have your own practice or, or what you do that it's yours. You don't have to answer to anybody. But then when you're directing, let's say, or working with the team or working with the studio, that's where you can like use everything you've learned from doing your own stuff. I think it's hard to it's hard to experiment when people expect things from you and there's a deadline and there's a budget. Um, so but having both is important so you can try new things on your own without the worry and then you can practice putting that into whatever, the commercial project and with other people and then they could probably they're going to bring something too they're going to help you and it's not going to take as long because <laughs> you're not alone have you got a dream personal project that say give you a hundred people and they're working for you and you don't have to worry about the budget and you don't have to worry about 
getting it in on time, what would be the ultimate project? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, right now I'm just going through like an imaginary list of things I haven't done, if you know what I mean. You know, most people might say like, oh, the feature film is the goal. But I, I don't know yet, because um, I still think shorts are, like I enjoy shorts. I guess if I had a team, I yeah, like right now, I would just make another short, maybe a longer short. But yeah, I don't know. There's no one thing. I just know there's loads of things. Like it would be cool to develop a TV series. It would be cool to do like an animated documentary try them all <laughs> <laughs> so there isn't a brewing i've got this space adventure that i've just always got in the back of my mind it's just a couple of different things yeah and just trying to with each project like do something differently or whether it's the way i'm making it or if i'm working with different people just to keep it exciting you know because it takes so long um hmm. you know i keep i always want to make something even when you're towards the end of finishing one thing i got excited for the next thing but i don't know what it is yet but it's almost like a chance to like pick a different color if you know what i mean like you're looking at the one thing you've got like all your references or the style is set but with the new project you can just say oh I'm going to use orange this time and you know a different brush I don't know and how do you since animation is as we all know quite a slow process even with a team how do you maintain enthusiasm for a project you know as it moves into the next week the next weekend of course you're thinking of other things along the way that are possibly threatening to sidetrack you but how do you maintain that interest to so that it gets finished basically um it's hard i mean i think the best thing is to like take breaks from it because sometimes yeah if you're intensely in it and you're looking at it every day you just go blind and even you know Sometimes you could send it to someone, like a friend, or I have a few people I would ask to look at my stuff who I I know that we like the same things in animation. Um, and their response usually like gives you a boost because you're you're almost bored of, of it or you're you're sick of it. Um but they haven't seen what you've done for a few months. And then you show them and they're like, oh, you changed this and this and this. And you're like, oh, I did. I have like progressed. So it's just kind of keeping going and then trying to get like a fresh pr perspective or taking a break from it. And then when you go back to it, you're like, okay, well, it's gotten better than it was a month ago. So I just got to keep going. Yeah, it's it's such a shame that when you're so intensely working on something, it can feel like no progress is being done unless it is finished. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's silly, but that is 
oddly how it can feel and you're absolutely right showing it to someone else can be the reminder that oh a certain amount of hours has gone in so things have things that needed to get done were getting done and we're further along now so <laughs> there yeah. is there is light at the end of the tunnel yeah and like it's weird as well because with the film yeah the film if it's a film the film is the final thing like which you said when it's finished it's only a film when it's finished um but then you know if you look at illustrators or something they're just doing like not to put not to say it's easy but they can share one drawing and that's the finished thing whereas yeah your finished thing is made up of a million things so yeah you can still share or like try to appreciate each bit as its own little thing like I did one shot I just have a hundred more I guess it, it is trying to compartmentalize that and say like this is going to be made out of a million bits and every one of those million bits will have to be done so if I get up one of those million bits done that's getting something done yeah and to remind to not give yourself a hard time for not getting the million bits done in a sitting exactly i'm gonna embarrass myself now because i want to ask about animation you did for a major artist whose name i have never said out loud or even heard said out loud because i'm that much out of the loop Billie Eilish? Yes, I think that's how it's said as well. (laughs) You uh, animated on a music video for Billie Eilish and it has, at the time I checked, 91 million views, which is a frankly insane number to me. I can't think of anything else that I would count in 91 millions. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, how... Did you get involved with working on that? How was it working on that? And what's it like hearing the number 91 million (laughs) views on something that you've worked on? Yeah, I mean, that kind of just came out of nowhere and then it went. And um, yeah, really, it was thanks to Johnny Cigarette or Keith Kavanagh. He just messaged me and said he got a gig they need more animators. I can't tell you what it is. And I, I, I just happened to be free and I was trying to like start doing some freelance stuff. Um, I think it was probably, it was in lockdown. And yeah, then I, I just, you know, got on <laughs> as an animator. It was great. Like, yeah, because the director uh, is Australian and there were animators like in America and all over the place. And it was just, you know, a couple of weeks animating. It was, yeah. And then it, it was great because it actually came out a week or two weeks after it was done, which it never happens. Uh, so, you know, we actually, you make it and then it's out and you're like, oh, that's great. Like, I, I enjoyed it. It was a good, good chance to experience like what freelance is like and I guess yeah what it was was just a bonus (laughs) um but it was a cool project yeah book book house book book house book book 
house. I wanted to ask about the audio in your short films. Like both Tuna and Wet and Sloppy have really great sound design. And where does where does that come from? That comes from well, mainly Maria McGrath, who in college, like they kind of paired us up with um, sound design students. So I worked with like three of them. Uh, Maria was one of them and Aaron and Graham as well. But yeah, Maria, like before, up until that moment, I didn't know anybody in sound. <laughs> um, and I'd say it's very useful to have a friend in sound if you're an animator, because you're always going to need them. Um, and yeah, ever since like Tuna then, like she's done the sound for everything uh, I've done. And I, like I did a music video for one of her tracks. And then I asked her, did she want to do the sound for Wet and Soppy? And I'm making a new film now and she's doing the music and she's got another friend to do all the sound design. So yeah, just, I was lucky um, that we got randomly paired up together in college. And it's nice to hear uh, a positive story about that for once. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. So I think it is. Like, I got the worst. Luck of the draw. The really. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm lucky because we're both um, on the same page with what we want. Like she makes her own, um, her own music. Like I make my own animations, you know, like we're, we want to be making our own stuff as well as. Mm you know, the industry and things. So we can do each other favors and keep passing it back and forth. I mean, the visuals to the audio, they really do seem perfectly well made together. Like to the extent that I could have believed you had this music, like audio from somewhere previously, there's like, oh, I'd love to animate to that. You know, it just well, seems so fitting. For um, Tuna, I made the animatic with music like from the beginning even before I started making the animatic I was saving tracks that fit the mood I wanted and um, so that was definitely like I'd say the sound was there from the beginning and then I was really worried because I couldn't use that sound then Maria and the others came in and I was like please recreate this um, which they did so that was good. But yeah, for Wet and Soppy, it wasn't as strict. I didn't have it like sound in or timed, but I still had an idea. I think that's what's like important. It's you can't, you know, you can't just go to someone and say, make sound. It's like going and saying, make animation. It's like, it could be a mm. million different styles. So yeah, just having like a strong idea from the beginning. And it helped that the stuff I was leaning towards was more electronic and synthy and that's what Maria is really good at. Yeah. Did Sean tell you about the guy who was sitting behind us at the film festival in Dundee during no, all those No, I don't. know. There was uh, a guy sitting behind us who was, it was a talker and he liked to make clear like what he thought about all the shorts, which were generally scoffs of like, that's not realistic. 
So there was a short where there was some, like a child had a pet bat. And uh, there's a scene where they were playing with the bat in the back garden. But it was during the day. And he said, the bat wouldn't be out in the day. That's the kind of level of uh, <laughs> critical feedback we're talking about. And I was sitting there next to Sean knowing that his short was yeah. going to be coming up. I was like, what is, what's the little sneer going to be? But when Agony Ant came on, he was just roaring with laughter and like, oh, so good, so good. <laughs> and it was sort of painful that he loved it. <laughs> I'd like I just turned to Sean and said, there, there's your audience. Yeah, there's that, there's who likes what you do. <laughs> that's kind of good, though. Like it is something you miss is being in a in a room like watching shorts and like even your own seeing your own stuff at festivals because it's funny. Yeah, if you overhear something <laughs> good or bad, like it's still. Like, I think I, good or I, bad, it's going to stay with you. Yeah, I the only one I remember was I was at a festival, and by the end of um, Tuna, someone in front of me just whispered, "She's a fish," <laughs> and I was like, yeah. "I got through to them. <laughs> they understand. They saw the subtext." Yeah. Um. The closest thing I had was when there was a screening of um, Define Intervention and um, like I did a voice in it and hearing my voice coming out of the cinema speakers, I was just melting, cringing, like in my seat, just in pain. <laughs> I mean, everyone, everyone else was enjoying it and I was just, it, I couldn't take it. It was really tough I'm, like the idea of being live action up on the big screen yeah makes me feel a bit sick i'm i perfectly understand any of those uh actors or directors is like i don't actually watch the films <laughs> when they're done yeah that's why yeah it's more it's more interesting if there's something else to hear than like actually watching it <laughs> you're like oh i can't stand this one on the other podcasts you may have heard I like to take out an oblique strategy card. Artist Peter Smith and Brian Eno made this box of cards, which each have something that uh, is supposed to inspire creativity. So let's see, what does this card inspire in you? I'll just take the top one. Use unqualified people. I mean, I don't think that's advice, just more... <laughs> <laughs> What what do you think of that now? Use unqualified people. Uh, it's interesting. I would agree and disagree. Um, I mean, the bad thing about it is you may get nothing done. <laughs> but the good thing, someone might have like a totally different perspective because they're coming from a different place which I agree with because like usually a lot of you know the animators that I like um didn't necessarily come from animation I mean they came from something creative but 
it's almost like um, they don't know um, or they have don't have like the 12 principles. So, you know, their stuff just looks more unique. Yeah, I mean, certainly when it comes to directors, you could be, if you know how to do it properly, you're going to do that. And it's going to be really, really hard to break those rules because you have in your head, you know how to, you know, do a shot a certain way. You know how to communicate certain information. It's the interesting thing about watching some older films. It, it seems kind of like today, everyone now knows how to make a film properly. Yeah. It's like, say, every Marvel film is a film that's made properly. And you would never come away from it. Like, no matter what you liked or disliked about it, you would never say that like it was made wrong. But it's kind of like it's so correctly made that it's not hugely interesting. Yeah. Or like with the Pixar films, Pixar know how to make a Pixar film. And, um, you know... We all, we all loved, we all, some still love Pixar. But like, yeah, when I, I saw like Toy Story 4 in the cinema and I was almost like angry that I was enjoying it <laughs> because <laughs> they know how to make a good Pixar film. But yeah, I mean, it's two ways as well because sometimes it's like you need to know the rules before you can break them. But then a little bit of um, not knowing is good. Like, I feel like I don't like doing backgrounds that much. So I usually just avoid them where I can. Or And I maybe I'm, it's because I'm, like, using my limits. Because I'm like, I can't do that, so I just won't put them in. But then maybe it helps to just make it look a certain way. Because I'm like not putting in the stuff I'm, I'm bad at or that I don't enjoy, and I'm just focusing on like certain bits. So, if you're not putting in a background because it's not something that you're interested in, you have to ask: Does it need a background, or is that just that feeling of there is supposed to be a background? Yeah, it's not, it's not hitting that what it is supposed to look like when I watch a mainstream animated film. It's like, oh, well, I need that. I need this. I need that. Or I'm not doing it fully or correctly. Yeah, limits are good because you don't need, you don't even need animation in an animated film. You know, at some points you do. Uh, it would be nice. But... If you have to choose, like, where do I, where is it actually important? You're saving time and then the film will probably be better because when people see that important bit, they'll be, they'll have been like bored of just not seeing anything moving. But then they'll be excited that something has a background or, you know, it kind of shows what's actually important for the story. The cards, the cards are a really good idea. <laughs> do you want to do another one? Okay, we'll do one more. Who should be doing this job 
How would they do it? Okay. Just say one last thing about the um, use unqualified people. I bet Brian Eno has never taken that advice. No. I'd say he's got <laughs> enough money and has got what he's doing is too important to be like, do you know what? I'll just grab a bunch of people off the street. Exactly. <laughs> and they can do the trumpets. Exactly. But yeah, that's an odd one. Who should be doing this job? How would they do it? I would say you should be doing the job and do it how you would do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> the way you do it is right for you. Doesn't matter how someone else does it. For sure. If there was anyone listening who wanted to also be an animator or filmmaker who did their own stuff as you do, what advice would you give them? Or even a warning. <laughs> warning. Don't use unqualified people. No. Um, <laughs> don't listen to Brian, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess, yeah, linking in with the card. Like... Not everyone has to like it. What you do is important, I think, because you can't please everyone anyway. So I think it's good to know, you know, your taste. And it's not, you know, I wouldn't say do, you shouldn't do everything alone, but reach out to people who you feel like you have the same um, taste in what you're doing, because then they can, they will help you. Um, it's good to hear advice from everyone, but you don't have to take it all. You you get it's like it's your it's your thing, so you can make the final decision. That's okay. Mm-hmm.